Lord, we're so glad that you're a God that personal that we dare believe and pray that when we reach up, you'll take our hand, that you care in that depth for us. And I know there's some here today who need that hand, that grasp, desperately. Give us a new insight into prayer, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. In the Old Testament, there were times when God's people felt that God had removed himself. And because of their sin, they felt very abandoned. And they'd cry out, is there any word from the Lord? And every once in a while, God would send a prophet. And he'd come saying, thus saith the Lord. This is God's word for you now in your time of need. I'm, I'm feeling God's been doing that to his church and particularly to this church since uh, the 1st of September. There's a new breeze blowing in our midst. Many of us are feeling that. This Promise Keepers, the last uh, week was indicative to me as I've heard the re echoes from it of the power that God is exerting in our country today. And we know we need it. The basis of that power for the church and for you personally is that I think it's vital we come to a new understanding of and expectation of and belief of and in prayer. So we're going to look at a promise so astounding, a promise from Jesus, so astounding that I don't think most of us even get it. You saw it on the screen. If you came early enough, you heard Brad read it. We've heard it since childhood. But I wonder if it made any of us kind of uh, bristle with expectation. Listen, this is Jesus speaking. And I say to you, and it will be, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now, obviously, we know Jesus wouldn't lie to us. And yet, think about these words. And think about your life and your needs today. They're almost too good to be true. And you know what? If we're honest, most of us live as if we don't really believe that the living God who created us will, upon request, provide for every problem, challenge, temptation, need, decision that life throws at us. In fact, I want to be more honest. When it comes to sermons on prayer, you know, most of us think we've heard it all. I wonder how many of you at 8 o'clock in the morning were on the edge of your pew saying, oh my goodness, Gerber's going to preach about prayer. I can hardly wait. Uh, you know, that, that's not where we're at. But when you think about it, if prayer is what Jesus says it is, a means by which we tap into God and he uses his divine resources to invade our life and give us help when we cry out, that's one of the most astounding promises in the world. We should get excited. Yet the point, most of us hold no new expectations today of gaining new insights that might radically change our prayer habits. And I hope God's going to surprise us. You see, the fact that we continue to be burdened and worried and frustrated and stressed, as many of us are as we came to church today, indicates we still don't understand the role prayer should play in our lives as believers in Jesus. So we're going to look at these familiar words of our Lord and they describe prayer in what I'm calling an inexhaustible source of power for the Christian. And I hope it might become that for you today. First, Jesus promises that when we ask, seek, and knock, 
God will respond to our prayers. God answers our prayers not some of the time, but all of the time. There is no prayer that God does not answer. Sometimes we're called upon to wait. Sometimes we have to go through the wilderness of a no. Nevertheless, Jesus assures us that all of God's answers and timing to our prayers are wrapped in his tender love and they're just right. And that might be hard for some of you to believe today. I don't know where you're at, but I, I know you're here by divine appointment today and some of you are waiting on God for things that aren't coming. God has said no to some of you and, and, and you're just at least disturbed about this promise regarding prayer as it's impacted your life. It hasn't seemed to work out. But Jesus says, if we ask God for bread, he won't send a stone. If we ask for fish, he won't send a scorpion. So the answer you've had so far is not a denial of God's love. As the writer of Proverbs reminds us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't put God in the test tube of your own logic. He refuses to be reduced to that level. He's God. Recently, we lost a dear friend in our church family, Dave Diegelman. Years ago, Dave was diagnosed with an illness. The doctors gave him a short time to live. And you know, I don't know why Dave was stricken, nor do I know why our prayers for his total healing were not answered. But I know his life was extended far beyond the prediction of the doctors through prayer. And I know that the extension of his life meant he became an encourager to many never complaining about his own needs, but very tender and supporting the needs of many of you. He ministered in a cancer support group. I watched his personal faith and love for Jesus grow almost weekly. It was amazing as I had him in my men's Bible study to listen to his responses change and mature during this period of his illness. Dave's life illustrated to me again that God always answers prayer but, but God's answers are God's answers, and they're God's timing, which in the long measure are always right. I, I firmly believe that the problem most of us have with prayer is that we really don't let God be God. That our prayer life is basically that of a small child coming to a parent with our wants and our whims and our needs, and when God doesn't respond in the time and in the way we expect, like a child, we throw a tantrum, we go off in a snit, because basically what we're saying is we want to re reduce God to our servant. We want him to jump when we ask, and when he doesn't, we feel ripped off. There are many people out of the church today because God didn't answer a prayer, and they don't want anything more to do with him. Thinking even deeper about prayer and answers to prayer, there's a question that puzzles me. I don't know about you. I'm trying to raise all the things that many of us struggle with in prayer. Have, have you ever thought, why do we need to ask and seek and knock if Jesus says God already knows what we need before we ask? That seems logically absurd. Well, one answer as I reflected on this is, is that in prayer, we literally act out our faith that God is involved in what's happening to us. When we pray, we demonstrate a belief that God, who created us, is not far away, out there in space somewhere, unconcerned. Like Jesus says, he's a father who's close up, and he's personal, and he's caring, and we can actually converse with him. 
This leads us to understand God's purpose in prayer is not to give us a blank check to get what we want when we want it. That is a myth that must be destroyed. Prayer is not magic. The primary purpose of prayer, as Jesus taught us, was to get us into contact with God. And that's the thing we need most desperately, particularly when we're in a time of trouble and waiting and stress. And from God's side, God wants us to pray because he wants a relationship with us. Today you're here because God wanted a family. And he enjoys hearing your voices and your praise and your prayers. So as our relationship grows with God, and I hope it is as a result of you coming to this church, so does our trust in his answers to our prayers, even if those answers are not what we wanted or expected. So here's the bottom line that I've discovered about prayer and why we pray even though God knows in advance what we need. I believe we do not pray to get what we want. But as our trust and an understanding of God grows, we pray to the point where we want what God gives. And that will transform your prayer life. At that point, we pass from being an infantile child in relationship to God to being an adult. Many of us bang on our high, high chairs saying, I want this. But we grow up and suddenly say, God, I want what you want. Your will be done. I give you this thing. Do it your way. Do it in your timing. You're better at it than I am. The higher perspective that we get of God through faith helps us understand his answers. And this morning, I want you to know that the answers he's given so far to that area where you're already struggling and maybe you've already engaged this sermon, the answer is best. It's wrapped in his love. And he hasn't made a mistake. You need to believe that. That's the whole basis of our faith. Perhaps another reason for praying, even if God knows our need in advance, is like a conversation in marriage. Uh, why does my wife need to hear that I love her if I already told her once? Think about that. God's sort of like that. You remember that great play, Fiddler on the Roof? And Reptevia was coming to his wife, and they've been married 25 years, and he asked, well, do you love me? And his wife's shocked. Well, I've washed your clothes and I've cooked your food and I've taken care of you for 25 years. But do you love me? And you know how the dialogue continues where she finally says, yes, Reptavia, I love you. And he says, well, after 25 years, it's nice to know. <laughs> you know, God's like that. God loves to hear you tell him I love you. Of course he's God. He's all-knowing. He knows what you need, but he likes to hear it. Thinking about answers to prayer, I don't know about you, but I, as I look at certain items on my prayer list, I've made two conclusions. Those requests that have been denied in every instance, without fail, God was right, even though the no hurt terribly at the time. I've lived long enough to know that a no from God is ultimately a yes, and I want you to know that today. Jesus wants you to know that. Secondly, requests where God has ordained that I wait for what often seems to be a cruel length of time, I see there was a divine purpose in that waiting period, and I'm glad God didn't move any faster. He knew what he was doing. So if you're in a mode of having heard a no or a wait, hang in there. 
God knows what he's doing. He's in control and he loves you. God answers all prayers, but he answers them from his posture of being a sovereign God, not a servant who jumps at every demand of his ch children. From the verb tense in our text, we learn a second truth about prayer. We are to be persistent in our asking, knocking, and seeking. Jesus says something like this, if I could ad-lib the text. When you pray, you must understand that prayer is a process and it's a journey. There will be few instantaneous answers to prayer. Prayer is work. When you pray, you must expect to keep on seeking, to keep on asking, to keep on knocking, in faith believing that God's answer will come in His time and His way. Some people pray for decades for things, and then they come. It's a very interesting tense, and I don't often take you into the Greek, but it's a, called the linear tense, and it's very beautiful. Where Jesus is really saying you begin at a certain time asking, knocking, seeking, and you just keep on doing it. That means that God wants persistency in our relationship with him. Persistent prayer immediately raises another question. Is God hearing impaired? Uh, why does he ask us to make requests more than once? Do you ever wonder about that? My parents became very angry if I bugged them about something over and over again. And Jesus says something very amazing about God in this text. He enjoys being bugged. We just keep on nagging him about things because he understands that's an act of our faith. I, I've discovered there are very good reasons for persistence in prayer. Persistence prayer. Persistent prayer keeps us in constant contact with God. And when you're in trouble, that's the best place to be. Paul the Apostle, remember, said, pray without ceasing. What in the world did he mean? Well, well, we certainly don't pray without ceasing to change God's mind, but to stay constantly connected to him. That's what Jesus is urging here. To be constantly reminded of our dependence upon him. You know, I've been praying throughout this service. I've been praying all week for you because I felt God would bring people this week who needed to know about prayer. And I know I can't teach you anything, but I know God can I hold certain persons on my prayer list before God throughout the day as they come to mind. Things that trouble me, I give them to God over and over again throughout the day. Persistent prayer really is almost like an involuntary reflex, a habit that is a good alternative to worry and stress and fear. Last week our daughter Leslie had surgery. Just as she was going into the operating room, we had prayer. Now, I don't know what that prayer did for her, but I know what it did for me. I felt a strange peace as I put her situation that was beyond my control into God's control. And then throughout the entire surgery, I kept on praying for Leslie, saying many of the same things. <clears throat> but that persistence kept me closely in contact with God. That intimacy gave me peace during a process where I couldn't do anything to help her. Persistence in prayer reminds us prayer is not magic. There are no formulas for prayer that guarantee these instant responses from God. Persistent prayer is not to convince an unwilling God to do something he doesn't want to do. Our motive in persistent prayer is just to get close to him 
and hide under the shadow of his wings. And you know what I mean if you've been in deep distress and you, and you just don't have any place else to go except to want to kind of hide under the shadow of his love while the storms and the challenges rage on and we say, oh God, thy will be done. As we relate to God in prayer and wait and fight to make logical sense out of what at times seem to be his absurd, unloving responses to our prayers, our faith is being tempered, our relationship with God is being deepened, and we're being disciplined to live a life of faith. That's what this is all about. Do you realize this morning that there's nothing you can't share with God? Do you realize there's nothing too hard, nothing impossible for the God you love and who loves you? Do you realize when Jesus teaches persistence in prayer, he is revealing the loving heart of a heavenly father who gave his son to die for us, and if he gave his son to die, won't he with him give us everything else we need? And God isn't put off by how often you come and bang on his door. You know, there are days and situations in which, speaking personally, and I sure speak for you, where we're so tired, so frustrated, so drained of personal resources and of strength that the only thing we can do is to give whatever is troubling us to God. And we give it again and again and again because there's no place else to go. And happily, that's okay with our God because he stands ready to receive us with open arms. How many times he's done that for me. So as you go into another week, I want to get very specific because we prayed for you this week and I don't think you're here by chance. What are you dreading this morning? What difficulties are robbing you of peace? What are you waiting for? And God seems strangely deaf. What decisions are you facing? What situations are so critical, so intolerable, that if God doesn't come in time, your ship could sink? Let me suggest possible responses to this teaching from Jesus for you. First, I challenge you to start acting as if you believe Jesus regarding the power of prayer. Rather than worry and stress out over your problems and challenges, give them to God in prayer. Consciously tell yourself that God, now God is in control of that situation and then keep praying over and over again. How often? as often as worry and stress about the situation seeks to take control of your thinking. See what happens. Secondly, you know one of our themes for this year is to take prayer more seriously in this church. I want to challenge you to make more time in your week for prayer. There's nothing more important in your life. Pray while you're driving, pray while you're walking, pray between appointments. You might even consider joining one of the many prayer groups so you can pray with and for others. There's no greater experience than to pray with other Christians, sharing needs, <coughs> supporting each other while you wait, and then celebrating when God brings those answers. You know, we receive over 100 prayer cards a week from these things that you fill out. You might want to join a group that prays for those needs. If you want an insight into what's going on in our church, pray for those people who dare to make their prayer needs known. Last Thursday morning, we had a huge group at 6.30, and we spent an hour praying for the ministry here. I couldn't do without it. Make time this week for more prayer. That seems so simple. 
And yet it's such a beautiful alternative to the stress, the fear, the anxiety that many of you carry this morning needlessly. So this week, pray. Someone has written, can't seem to get where you want to go fast enough? Give it to God in prayer. Worried about your kids? Pray about it. Living in a place you'd rather not be? Give it to God. Your marriage is a continual struggle? Give it to God. Found a lump and you see the doctor tomorrow? Give it to God in prayer. A mid-career change seems scary? Pray about it. You did a job but someone else got the credit? Give it to God. Getting older, alone? Take it to the Lord in prayer. If you don't remember anything else this week, remember these words of Jesus. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I'm not going to let you go home until we take an opportunity to claim this promise. We're going to take a moment right now and go to God in prayer. You know what you brought with you. And I want you to give it to God in these moments of silence before we close. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Enable us to believe. Make a difference in our lives today because we heard your words. Pray in your name. Amen.